Hello, hello, and welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're discussing chapters 19 through 24 of The Tyrant's Tomb. We'll say that I read the last chapter of this section, like, through my fingers. I was, like, so <laughs> horrified. <laughs> Watching Apollo. Yeah, I, like, at one point I was just like, what is, dude, what are you doing? I, oh, man. I mean, it was, the Rihanna's reaction to it was mm-hmm. very fun to read, and it was very much, it's very funny because she complains about constantly people trying to constantly fix her like problem mm. and set her up. And that's exactly what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> last You're the problem. I am actually the problem. I'm the auntie that they, you know, are trying to warn me about. Yeah. I, the, the absolute like breath that I released when I read Raina reject him. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, thank fucking God. He's not going this weird romance arc. I was so glad they weren't going to start dating or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am still nervous that he's going to, because Reina's reaction of him asking her out and him thinking she's rejecting him because he's Lester, but she's actually more inclined to date him as Lester over Apollo. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Apollo's committed war crimes and like, yeah, he's a rapist and, you know, <laughs> yeah. anyway, um, which he alludes to a lot. He's like, oh, if I had spent time with the nymphs instead of chasing them, I'm like, bro. Like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. But anyway, um, I have this fear. Obviously, you can't confirm it or deny it, but I have this, such a fear that he's going to choose to remain Lester. I really mm-hmm. don't want him to. I really want him to become Apollo again because, like, it's that thing where it's like, okay, if you turn back into a god... You have the power to fix the things that you have seen. It's like being, being like choosing to leave behind the money because you want to join the plebes and become one of the common folks because you like sympathize with their struggle instead of continuing to use your money to then fix worldly problems and become yeah. a good person. It's, it's the balance of power and it's frustrating to me when characters are like, well, I've left it all behind so I can become a better person. I'm like, what if you use the resources that are given to you and the pri- just simply acknowledge the privilege that you have and then use it for good? Yeah. And also, and also so- like, why would you want to become a comedy? <laughs> I know. Also, just like, I'm so stressed at the idea, like in a similar way. Well, see, when Percy did it. It was romantic. Mm-hmm. Also, he started as a mortal. And also, I understandably said what I totally agree is like no one wants to be 16 forever, right? Yeah. So he chose <laughs> to forego immortality a little bit for Annabeth, but a lot because he wants to be human because he's a human, you know? But you know what's funny? Is that because of Rick's like tweets or his blog post? Percy is 16 forever. According to Rick, he's been pointedly like, no, he's still 17. So like Percy's trying to to grow up and Rick's like, no, (laughs) make him child forever. But I'm Mm -hmm. so afraid that we're going to get to like Apollo getting his immortality back. And he's going to look at Raina and be like, girl, I'm going to stay for you. And she's like, I never asked for this. She's like, please don't. I pointedly said no. Oh my God. I'm so nervous. Lester is a little bit unhinged with his, uh, so his emotions. Unhinged. I mean, his feelings. he does read like a very funny theater kid, 15, 16 year old boy, like in mm. his feels, just like everything's profound. Everything's via song. Like it's very comedic to read him in that sense. Cause I'm like, yes, this is how I imagine a 15, like Leo and Lester are both somehow on the opposite end of the scale that has now become a circle. So they're the same person as being a 15 year old boy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. 
I can see that. They're both like, they're very realistic 15 year olds, which is very interesting because Apollo is a realistic 15 year old. And then he has a moment where he's like, back in ancient Rome when I was there (laughs) physically. And like my lovers in the past are like, this is a child. Yeah, the whiplash of reading that and being like, oh God, I forgot Mm. that he was a divine being. Yeah. Which is fun. It makes the series very fun to read. Oh, yes. It's got layers. Like an onion. Like an onion. Mm -hmm. All right. So to summarize, what we're going to talk about is the camp is going to get ready for battle with a little bit of training. And then Lester's going to go on his quest for love. (laughs) Dear God. (laughs) Sounds like he's in like one of those uh, reality TV shows. Like quest for love. Quest for love. It definitely sounds like a tagline for one. Yeah. Bachelor. 100% is the quest for love. Yeah. Bachelor, Bachelorette. Yeah. Yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah. I'd hate it, but I'd watch it. (laughs) All right. So I got chapters 19 through 21. So chapter 19. Oh, book. What's my fate? What is the secret of life? See Appendix F. (laughs) So I always feel like I have to recap what happened because when I open the book and it's been like a week or over a week, I'm like, I don't remember what was going on. So uh, we left off with Reyna declaring that the ritual they need to summon divine aid to help to save the camp depends on the death of a god. Um, So naturally, everyone's like looking to Apollo, like Mm -hmm. kind of like, is it you? And I I like to imagine Reyna's like, she's going to get her gun out or something. (laughs) She's like, I'm ready. (laughs) Say the word and I'll do it. For the greater good and just shoot him before looking into it a little bit more. Yeah, I'm going to just take one for the team. Mm. But specifically, the line says that they need to add the bre- breath of a god who speaks not once his soul is cut free. And Apollo is like, I've actually never shut the fuck up, so that's not me. <laughs> and so they move on. And Apollo thinks that this is about the soundless god, again, who's been mentioned in prophecies before, but he cannot for the life of him remember who this is. He's like, all of my Olympian siblings also don't shut the fuck up. Like, none of us are soundless here. Apollo thinks that the soundless god must be connected to their inability to send iris messages. Because I know we've talked about, we've been like, why is communication still a problem? And I think this is meant to be, maybe there was something else going on besides, you know, in the Heroes of Olympus, there was Gaia shutting down communication. And now it's still not working and they think it's the emperors, but Apollo is thinking maybe the soundless god is also connected to it. They have no clue how to kill said god or why that'll even help their situation, but they do know that they should head towards Sutro, which is the place that Tarquin's minions mentioned. Sutro Hill is an area nearby where Sutro Tower is. They'll wait to go there until April 8th, per the prophecies. They're like, it's the day of greatest need. So apparently they're just going to hang out until then. (laughs) And that also happens to be the day that they're supposed to be invaded by Tarquin, but you know, they have to follow these prophecies. So they're like, well, we're going to send um, one of our praetors away from our camp. Battleground? Yeah, yeah, away from the battleground. Um, and it'll have to be Reyna who goes with them, with Megan Apollo, since the door to the soundless god has to be opened by Bellona's daughter, per the prophecy. What is hilarious is, like, the idea that if they didn't follow the prophecy, like, they'd sent Frank instead... <laughs> Like, what, what would happen? happen? Maybe would it they, just not will, work? Or would it work? They just, the prophecy is just like, if you do it this way, it just is more fun for the plot. Yeah. If you do well, it the other like, way. No matter if you try to follow the prophecy or not, they still somehow come true in some way. So I imagine even if they didn't send Reyna, Reyna would still some have somehow have something to do with opening the door. Yeah. Like, I don't know, she'd appear in a vision or the door's actually at Camp Jupiter. It would be like... Like, it always follows the prophecy, which is always interesting because there's, like, some books where it feels like they're trying to avoid it. And then there's some where, like this, where they're just, like, following it, like, cooking instructions. Yes. I always don't know. I don't like when either happens. I'm like, why don't they just vibe and let the prophecy come true? Yeah, that's not the whole point of a prophecy. It's, like, predicting the future, not saying what you should do. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of how more so it felt in like PJO. The prophecy was much more ominous 
And like, oh, like in the first one, it was like, one of your friends will betray you. But Percy was just kind of like, well, I don't have a lot of friends and <laughs> looks at his two friends and is like, hopefully it's not you guys and goes on with his day. Yeah. Whereas in these, they're like sitting down and trying to follow the prophecy step by step. And that kind kind of annoys me a little bit. Well, even at the end of specifically the last Olympian, they're like when Percy finally learns like the overall prophecy, the big mm-hmm. prophecy, he he everyone's like waiting for him to react and he's like literally there's nothing i can do about it so why would i react to this yeah i just have and to then it's not even like ready because the way they had interpreted it as percy dying wasn't even what ended up happening exactly. it was actually luke it was talking about so reading this into the prophecies i feel like is not helpful either no alas mm-hmm. but you know we just had a whole chapter of them discussing <laughs> the prophecies you know what they should do instead? They should read into angel numbers and oh they should God. follow those. No. <laughs> Before we started recording, Aaron and I, because this is episode uh, 111, and so we were like, is that an angel number? And then we went down a little rabbit hole of what angel numbers are. And basically, Aaron's angel number tells her that she should look out for the angels. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any angel number uh, girlies that listen to this podcast? You can because, explain it to us a little bit more. Because that's the woo-woo that I like can't quite get with. I'm, I'll am i get with astrology. I I think tarot cards are fun, but the you angel fuck with numbers. Palm reading too. I just, I just, I do fuck with palm reading. I think it's fun. Um, but the numbers, I'm like, I could just look around my room and see literally the serial number on my printer has three threes in it. So... What does that tell me? It, it also has two twos. Embrace creativity and growth. Well, I've literally used the printer maybe once. <laughs> so maybe if I was more creative, I'd print things more. And then my I found out my angel number is seven. So my thing just says, look for direct divine gu- guidance. So, so when like God himself, would come down. I know. Yeah. Comes down and gives me a a bitch slap in the face. I'll know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, please tell us about angel numbers. (laughs) And are they similar to prophecies? Yeah. Are they prophecies or are they like, I think it's a manifesting thing. Mm. Aren't prophecies just kind of like manifestations of the oracle? I've stopped believing in it manifesting. Oh, You know how it's like. You have to write it. People say, like, you know, if you write it down a bunch, it'll happen. And I was like, maybe. I don't know. I never tried really hard. And then before the Eras tour, I tried really hard to write down that she would play Haunted at Seattle Night 2. And it didn't happen. So now I don't believe in manifesting. So you've given up. <laughs> yeah. Taylor Swift. <laughs> you know, like, the, the people on the internet are, like, manifesting works. You just have to write it down. And so I did. And it didn't happen. So... I've given up on manifesting. I thought manifesting was just like you have hope. I think it's like more about your own self and not about like <laughs> Taylor Swift, but. <laughs> like I manifest like good things, love and happiness for myself. Yeah. But yeah, that happiness like is specifically Taylor Swift playing Haunted. Exactly. And mm. I didn't get that. So mm. <laughs> prove, prove that manifestation people. Tell me what to do with that. You were supposed to burn the paper. Probably. And have a little seance. You know, that sounds kind of fun. It does. I've always thought like having a big fire and like dancing around it with like a group of women. That sounds really fun to me. It's very easily accessible. We have fire and we have women. That's true. And Mm. women can start fires. We don't need men. (laughs) We don't need men. As long as we have, what are those called? Like the Dura Logs or whatever? (laughs) I started a fire at Aaron's house. Um, This house (laughs) You lit a fire. I'm fulfilling my dream of being an arsonist, actually. No, um, the guys are out. So I was like, we wanted to have a little campfire going. And I was like, I did it. It didn't work the first time, but then we made a mess of it, but we made it work. So it was a great fire. Yeah. Who needs them? Exactly. Mm. All right. (laughs) Chapter 20. Hamster ball of death. Spare me your fiery doom. I'm not feeling it. 
So Meg and Apollo start this off with a sweet moment. They head back to their coffee shop where Apollo like lives right now. And Meg grumbles about how he's been sleeping all day and he's always tired. And he's like, well, I am turning into a zombie slowly. So like cut me some slack. And then she starts crying, which shocks him anytime Meg cries. She says that she had thought that if she could just kill Tarquin herself, it would save Apollo and be kind of like a hive mind situation where you like cut off the source and all the zombies are not zombies anymore. Um, which is why she barreled, she just like barreled into him down in the tomb against everyone or everyone's orders, uh, because she wanted to save Apollo. And he's like, oh, I was still kind of mad at her about that. But now I feel guilty for being mad because she was doing it for me. He reassures her that it'll be okay and that they'll summon godly help to save him. He gives her a hug and reflects on how he thinks of her like a younger sister, which he'd never had, um, and how love can come in so many different forms, which is a sweet little note he has. And then Meg leaves Apollo to take his nap. It's hilarious because he actually physically does have technically a younger sister, but he's like, not that yeah. younger sister, this yeah. younger sister. He's like, no, 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 this is different. Yeah. <laughs> this one's better. Yeah. I think it's like more of the vibe of a younger sister. Mm -hmm. So he dreams of the emperors. They're on Caligula's yacht. I love this glimpse of them because they are so fun. Commodus is there. He's wearing sunglasses because remember they burned his eyes out in book two. <laughs> he also has pink swim trunks and matching pink Crocs, which is like really giving Barbie. I think Very he would have thrived this summer. Um, they Maybe both would have because Caligula would have loved the Kens. Yeah, I wonder if they would have like seen the Barbie movie, identified with Ken, and been like, yeah. oh, but they're not really after a woman, are they, either of them? No, but Caligula is after horses. That is true. So. I'm honestly surprised he's not sadder right now. He should be mourning and wearing all black because of the loss of his horse. The horse. Well, the I horse. Think he is getting his morning out through more fun outfits mm. and nautical themed and yeah. murder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He's going very nautical. He's wearing a captain uniform. He's a method actor. Like, I don't really believe that he's actually captaining the ship. I'm no, sure like the Pandai are actually doing the work, but he's like, no, I'm the captain. <laughs> kind of reminds me of like Count Olaf getting into <laughs> costume yes. from his roles. Uh, the Pandai are rushing around the deck. They have a giant artillery and a massive glowing green sphere in a barrel. It is a giant sphere of Greek fire. Caligula is like, let's test it. And they're like, are you sure? These cost a lot. Like, we don't we don't have a billion of them. And he's like, yes, I would like to see it. And so they watch as it flies into the sky and then creates a geyser of green fire in the boiling sea. So I was like, so much for them all saving the environment in the last you know there's like so many fried fish just floating yeah. up to the surface the yeah. orcas are gonna get them if they oh, keep doing this right yeah there's a hundred yachts right or was it 50? yeah it was a lot of yachts it was a lot it was like, unnecessary target lot. yeah the orcas should gang up on them by now mm -hmm. They have one missile for each ship, so that's like 100 ships or whatever it was, and will be able to fire once they reach Treasure Island. So things are not looking good for Camp Jupiter. Apollo then wakes up. He's still exhausted and feels like shit, despite sleeping all night and half of a day. His wound is looking much worse too, but he won't tell anyone about that. He joins up with the others and eats with Lavinia and Meg, and Lavinia is super interested in the fact that on Caligula's shoe yacht, he has terpsic chores shoes that one's really hard to say which is her parent she wants to go get those shoes which is a bit beside the point of like all the quests going on she's like no i want to go sneak onto the shoe yacht and get those shoes um and apollo is like you should not do that and then he fills everyone in on what he saw in his dreams and how they're all screwed hazel announces to her cohort that the afternoon war games will be specifically about boarding ships and now it's time to go train I feel like Lavinia should read the room because yeah. the last time demigods were on board the ship, Jason <laughs> died. Yeah. So maybe her being like jokey and maybe she's being serious. Like she doesn't want the shoes, but maybe she should have some inside thoughts. Yeah. I genuinely believe like she heard of those shoes and was like, this is like, it's all she can think about. She's hyper fixated right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, you're going to get shot. And she's like, but the shoes. <laughs> so chapter 21 
See this right here, kids? This is how you don't do it. Questions, class dismissed. So it's war game time, relay activities. Apollo is tasked with teaching the afternoon archery session, which he's not happy about since he's like, remember, he sucks at archery now, or he thinks he does. But lucky for him, he's apparently discovered that he's not as bad at it as he thought. Like he's like, oh, I've gotten some of my godly skill back. Or maybe as a human, his skill has grown, which is really random. And I feel like we could have used that a lot earlier. Also, the fact that he, when he first tried it, he put an o broken oath and then yeah. now is forever cursed if he had just like practiced a little bit more. <laughs> he just trained a little bit. Yeah. He teaches all the kids their afternoon lessons and after a full afternoon of it, he is convinced that maybe his godly archery skills are like permanently back and it wasn't just like a one-time thing. He heads back to the mess hall but is stopped by Lavinia and Don the Fawn. Lavinia tells Apollo that he has to come with them and that they're sneaking out. All right. Of my notes, I do think it's funny that villains always tell everyone that the, d the day they're going to invade, like they want to be stopped. Love well, that for them. villains in specific, I think, want that the most. Because yeah. they want the battle, but they, 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 they've put so much work into the yeah. theatrics of it. They need an audience. And also, like, if they win, the fighting ends. That's and I true. think they like the fighting. That's what they're in, More in it the for. More than the ruling, I think they're going to get mm -hmm. bored. When yeah, the entire um, world is leveled and only horses have the democracy, <laughs> I think they're going to get kind of bored. They're going to be like, wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I also thought it was funny that Meg mentions weaponizing the unicorns because it was reminding me of Komodos weaponizing ostriches. It's like, are they really that different? You know? <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of yeah. thing. yeah. <laughs> um, I do think it's really random that Apollo's archery skills are back out of nowhere, and he seems to think it's random, but I think Rick got tired of writing a character with no <laughs> skills. <laughs> He's like, you're bringing nothing to the table. All he does is fucking sing. <laughs> That's true. He does have the skill of I'm music. Sure Rick is tired of that. He's like, how many more musicals can I write in? <laughs> yeah. He's like, this is not what my degree's in. <laughs> And then my last note, I loved this little comment that Apollo makes after being exhausted from teaching archery. He says that he wonders how mortal teachers do it and that he hopes they're compensated with a lot of gold, which I thought was quite funny and ironic and also probably a nod to the fact that Rick used to be a teacher before he uh, popped off as mm. an art artist. I guess an artist. An I meant to say author, but yeah. <laughs> it's just like, wow, of course teachers are paid millions of dollars. Yeah. And it's funny to, as a reader, to be like, hmm. <laughs> so funny in like a sad way. Yeah. Funny, sad. Yes. Yeah. All right. So I have chapters 22 through 24. Chapter 22. I sing of dead plants and heroic shrubberies, inspiring stuff. So Apollo, Don, and Lavinia sneak out of the Roman camp and hike through the hills down to the streets of Berkeley. Apollo makes his way to the People's Park, where amongst the trash and the houseless, a group of dryads and fawns have gathered. Amongst them, Apollo recognizes Peaches, Meg's <laughs> rabid carpos. Apparently, after the burning maze, he basically booked it to the local dryads and fawns here to warn them about the impending doom of nature. In the process, he, like, basically flew so hard he tore his ring his rings he tore his wings and has been low-key stuck apollo is shocked that he hasn't told meg that he's safe since apollo's pretty sure meg has assumed that peaches is dead and one of the reasons that meg bursts into tears uh back in your chapter was she is convinced that everyone she's ever loved is going to die and it's she's so seen that in like yeah and she's seen it in practice and the last person's left standing is essentially apollo at this point and he's turning mm -hmm. into a zombie Anyway, Peaches has told his wild story of SoCal to the Dryads and Fawns, but they want to hear it from Apollo. So obviously Apollo's got to do it in song form. <laughs> Lavinia has even smartly packed Apollo's ukulele so that Jason, um, so Apollo can take his Jason death song that he did originally and do a remix. 
um, oh, to add more the remix. The remix. I feel like it's gonna be like you know, like all too well. Ten minute version. Taylor's <laughs> version from the vault is like Jason Death song remix. Apollo's version. <laughs> Nature songs. Dryad. Nature song, Moneymaker's yeah. death song. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so he's added more nature details and he talks more about his time in SoCal and focuses more on that in this song. The song leaves the fawns and dryads teary-eyed and terrified. Apollo asks them what their plans are, but the group is like, we need to privately discuss with our own before we tell you, even if, if we tell you. And so Peaches sends him on his way back. On the way back to camp, Apollo notices Lavinia's intense demeanor. She's basically decided that she would be not joining the campers in their fight against the emperors. She thinks that marching into battle is a waste of time and is not going to help just being like a good soldier. She's like, she needs to be with the dryads and fawns and that's who she relates to and considers more of her people. She won't tell Apollo what her plan is and they walk back in silence. Apollo gets the feeling that he may never see her again, that she may be on a bus with the fawns to Portland running away before the battle even starts tomorrow. Apollo Why Portland? Gets- Why does that make sense? <laughs> like they would go to Portland. They would you know? go to Portland. Find refuge in Portland. Yeah. Apollo gets back to his room and passes out from exhaustion. The next morning, Apollo wakes up with no dreams, which he considers an ominous sign of things to come. He grabs breakfast and heads out, heads out to find his friends. So chapter 23. In my pickup truck with my dogs and my weapons and this fool, Lester... Was that a country, a country song? There? It, a country it's like kind of like a country song. Yeah, that's all you need. Pickup truck, dogs, and weapons. And he needs to soul. mention like a woman in short shorts and Daisy Dukes. Yeah, maybe a tractor or two. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the pickup truck and the tractor can kind of uh, interchange. That's true. Yeah. That's true. The mm-hmm. truck is enough. We have enough vehicles. Yeah. yeah. So Reyna is in civilian clothes for the first time that Apollo has ever seen. So naturally we get this like super vivid Ugh. description of her outfit. It's like down to like the way her hair is styled. Mm. She catches him staring at her, which is awkward and hilarious for everyone involved, specifically Meg. Reyna calls her dogs over, alarming Apollo since he realizes that her crazy guard diamond rock dogs are now joining them for the quest. Hazel and Frank drive in a bright red Chevy 4x4 and presents it to the group as they ride. Apollo's like, why didn't we have this before? How many times have I gone fucking hiking? (laughs) Why couldn't we have just driven? Where do you guys get gas? And he has so many questions, so nobody answers them. Reyna takes the wheel, Apollo as the passenger, and Meg is in the middle uh, with the dogs in the trunk. They say goodbye to Frank and Hazel and set out. They, cross, uh, they drive across the Bay Bridge, Raina humming along to her music. Meg is testing her seeds because they've gone all mixed up in her pouch. So she pulls individual seeds, stares at them, makes them burst. So then she realizes what kind of seed that is and then puts mm. it back in her pack. Apollo is sitting at the end, incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> Raina informs them that they will have to park at the base of the hill where this Sutro Tower is and hike up. So there were two spots, the tower and the mountain. Um, they were kind of close together, but not exactly in the same place. But Reyna has decided to choose the tower of the mountain because while checking Talia's list of quote unquote troubled spots, the tower showed up. So she's like, it's the best bet. Apollo tries to casually ask Reyna more about Talia. We are reminded as readers that they fought together in Puerto Rico and have apparently continued to stay in touch via letters. So they got around the system of no communication by using fucking letters. And you know, when box. I read that, I was kind of like, do I ship them like immediately <laughs> when I was like, they're writing letters. They I know, letters. so romantic. I know. Reyna sent an urgent letter after she learned about Jason's death, along with her dogs to try to find Talia, because she said this is something that's very important that you need to know about your brother. But they couldn't reach her. Apollo asked Reyna if she's romantic. He also has the exact same thought. I know. He's like, oh, yeah. letters? That's a hella romantic. But he's also, he, like, weirdly jealous. He's I know. Like, Do you have like, a girlfriend? <laughs> Is she cuter than me? Yes. Apollo yeah. asks Reyna if she's romantically involved with Talia, to which Reyna denies. She says she has a strong friendship. She never says, like, oh, I'm not into women or anything like that. She just says, mm-hmm. like, I have a really strong friendship and I would never risk messing that up. Mm-hmm. Apollo continues to put his foot in his mouth and ask questions, but Meg saves him by turning up the music and then they drive in silence. Nice. No more speaking. I love Meg. 
Meg is sometimes she's clued in. Sometimes she can oh, yeah. take a social cue. Yeah, but yeah. also, or is she clued in and she's just ignoring the social cl- cues? Actively choosing against it, yeah. Yeah. So, chapter 24, stick my godly face where it doesn't belong, and Venus, I hate you. They get to the bottom of the hill and park their car. Meg excitedly takes off with the dogs up the hill, and Raina promises Apollo they can hike a little slower, though. Apollo is still suffering from his zombie bite. It's got purple tendrils coming off of the wound, and they've actually made their way all around his torso and to his wrists. He has to wear full sleeves now to try to hide the fact that he isn't suffering as much as he is. He can even hear the voice of Tarquin beckoning him down to the depths of hell, essentially. Right now, it's just a nuisance, but he knows as infections spread, it's going to become stronger and harder to resist. Raina takes this quality one-on-one time to confront Apollo on why he's behaving so weirdly to her. Apollo decides to tell her, he's like, I'm on death's door. I'm going to die anyway. And you know what? I should tell Meg also that I love her. But first, let's do this thing. Let's ask this girl out. <laughs> he tells her it's about Venus and that she Venus told him what she had told Reina back in the South a couple years ago when they met. That Reina's heart is broken and it can never be healed by Jesus. a mortal or demigod. That's so awful. It's such a shitty thing to say to like a fucking 14 year old. (laughs) Yeah. Like how much, like if someone had told me that at 14. I just throw myself off I would never recover, you know? (laughs) Reyna thinks Apollo is being weird to her because he pities her. She knows that the other campers know about her quote unquote curse and whisper whenever she comes around. She keeps getting unsolicited advice on who she should date to try to cure her. And she is over it. Apollo expands that Venus has forbade him from trying to woo Reyna, and if he ever did, she would curse him. Reyna assumes Apollo is so nervous around her because he's afraid Venus will see them interacting and be cursed. And so Reyna assures them that there's nothing to worry about, they're simply comrades on the quest. And I love that Reyna's like, you don't worry, you're not wooing me. And he's yeah. like, but what if I was? <laughs> Which is like, that he could have just ended it there and mm-hmm. saved himself. He could have yep. been like, oh, good. Okay. Like, that's why I was being Phew. like, I see where you're coming from. I can read the signs that you are not interested in me. But Apollo is devastated about being friend zoned. So he decides to just go for it. And I read this part. I was like, through my fingers, because I was like, he doesn't go for it. He doesn't like ask her out. He doesn't try to get to know her. Like his interactions with her have either been about war or him like standing in the corner making her really uncomfortable. (laughs) They've never had like a real conversation. Anyway, Apollo offers himself as a boyfriend to Reyna, like straight. <laughs> it's like he really am. <laughs> completely. Since he's not really mortal or a demigod, and he's not even a god anymore, he's like something else, then maybe he could heal her. <laughs> I also love that he has the thought, he's like, well, I'm already cursed. I might as well be <laughs> as well. more cursed. We'll get a girlfriend out of it and then die a few days later from my infection. <laughs> He's like, he's cursed by the river sticks. He's going to be cursed by Venus. He has a zombie bite. He has none of his godly powers. <laughs> so Reyna stares at him completely dumbfounded. Apollo is certain she's going to kill him, but she bursts into laughter instead. She can't stop laughing, especially when she realizes Apollo is being serious and telling the truth because her dogs didn't attack him or alert her of any lie. Reyna admits that him being luster rather than an all-powerful god makes him more appealing, but it's a still a big time no. She falls <laughs> back. She like all caps laughs at him too in the She's book. Like, in like anytime he's trying to speak, it's just responded with laughter. Uh-huh. Um, Apollo realizes in her laughter he and in his like his rejection he actually sees her as more beautiful and desirable which (laughs) i was like bro that's (laughs) so classic like 15 year old boy being rejected and being like i'm actually gonna stalk you now yeah like this is makes me want you more meg rejoins them and finds reyna basically rolling on the floor with laughter (laughs) she asks what's going on wanting to be including in the joke but at the time no neither of them fill her in reyna restarts their hike and she's like apollo looks at her and like reyna has not had joy in a long time (laughs) 
<laughs> so like, at least I could do this. <laughs> yeah, he says that she looks like a new woman. Like her eyes are sparkling, and she's like, "Thank you so much. I really needed that. I haven't laughed like that in a long time." And Apollo decides he will personally murder Venus. So good. All right. So I feel like I went through a lot of my notes. Um, I don't really have any. I also kind of in the beginning told you guys my predi- my predi- what I am afraid of. It's a little bit my prediction. I feel like through this, like there's a reason that Rick is kind of setting up either this romance or lack of romance, like something's going to come of it. I Mm -hmm. hope what comes of it is a healthy rejection, but, Mm -hmm. and like growth and like friendship, but Rick has not done that in the past. So Mm. I'm a little nervous where he kind of makes, he, he, I hope watched the Barbie movie and realized that, like Leo is Ken. Like you don't need to put your yeah. entire personality on being liked by a girl. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. but I'm nervous since the movie came out now, and this is an old series. I am very <laughs> nervous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the coming chapters they're going to go find the soundless god, and it's going to be. I feel like it's going to be like a god from a different, like, um mythology i think this would be a great opportunity for rick i don't remember when madness chase came out if it came out before this or after this i think think it came out before yeah oh i thought it'd be a great opportunity for rick to just be like the god of silence is actually like a norse god and like connect the two lightly Mm -hmm. or even egyptian god and connect the two but Mm -hmm. it feels like it's going to be an ancient god and that the Tarquin is getting his powers of, um, like, ghostly zombiness from. Like, he's seeping it from this god. And so, if they can kill the god, or aka return the god back to being dead, then, which is, like, their natural state, then Tarquin was going to be defeated. And then all, like, hive mind-like, everyone's zombie infection will go away. Mm-hmm. That's my, my prediction. Good work. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Good predicting. You're welcome. All righty. Shall we do the lightning bolt questions? Yes. All right. The one I came up with is if you ha- could do a ritual to summon one god to your aid, which god would you choose to help Ooh, you? Ooh. In what situation? Like, I have in no war? idea. I don't okay. know. In this, it's in war, so I guess. Because okay. it's like in life situation, in some situation, yeah, in life that's like, a little different. Yeah, get Athena and just like please add some wisdom to my decision making. <laughs> Maybe I'd do Athena in, but this is Roman. She's like a probably war gonna get Roman. Yeah, mm. but so I mean, like, this, in this situation, for the question, you can choose Greek or Roman. I feel like that's okay. Fine. Then I would choose Athena. Um, mm. I wouldn't want Aries because I don't know. Like war is, I need wisdom and war, and you know, victory would be nice too. So actually, with Nike, even though she's annoying Ooh. as shit, I'm like, I would like to have victory, and so having a god who is going to give me victory would be very convenient. Mm. It applies to a lot of situations too. She could yes. just make you win. <laughs> yeah, at any overall <laughs> at life, mm-hmm. you just win. That's a good I'm, one. Yeah. I was thinking um, Artemis would be a fun one to have. Because I feel like she's good at battle if I'm in a battle. But also, I feel yeah. like she'd protect me, you know? As a woman? as a Just because I'm a woman, she'd protect me. Yeah, but you're married. I don't think That's she... That's she's like not like me. <laughs> <laughs> she's actually going to sacrifice you first. Probably. I just, I just like her aesthetic with all the moons and the wolves, too. That's true. She would get angel numbers. So cool. <laughs> she would. She would understand them. That's what I'm summoning her for to understand. To explain angel the numbers. angel numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like Artemis is going to be the god that is summoned um, mm. in the future for this book because that'll mm-hmm. also give Talia an opportunity to resurface mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. get her vengeance for Jason dying. Yeah. I think that would be useful for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they they drop Talia's name a lot in the in this book, yes. in this first half we've read. So I feel like they're trying to make us think of her again, at least. Yeah. 
I'm always thinking of her. I'm <laughs> always thinking of Talia. <laughs> All right. What do you think of friend zone? The term friend zone, the concept, have you ever been friend zoned? Have you ever had to friend zone somebody? Do you think Mm. it's a real thing? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a dumb thing. Like I, I, I understand like the actual word, what it means, you know, when you're like, Hey, I don't want to be romantically involved with you. I just want to be friends. But the way it's used in culture is dumb. Like the way it's always men saying that they've been friend zoned and it's never like when, when a woman is rejected, she's just like, Oh, okay. I was rejected, but men have to turn it into this whole like friend zoned thing. And instead of just being like, just admit you are rejected and now you're friends with them. Um, yeah. And the whole idea of like constantly like people being like, I'm trying to get out of the friend zone. It may, it feels like it also like belittles the idea of friendship too, as like friendship is lower than a romantic relationship. If, if you're, if it's a man and they're friends with a woman, it's always like, well, it'd be better if you were dating them. And so it's like, does a female, does a woman's friendship mean nothing? That's false. Yeah, and it's, I mean, for me, it was always devastating when someone said it in that way, like, oh, I'm trying to get out of the friend zone, like, oh, she put me in the friend zone, because it's like, oh, so this entire time when I was building this relationship with you, you were trying to get in Mm -hmm. my pants, like, that was the whole thing, like, that was, there was no actual sustenance and interest in our, like, platonic relationship, yeah, it, it was just like a stepping stone to something else. And yeah. it like invalidates the fact that you actually have a friendship. Yeah. Whereas like I understand developing feelings for a friend. That's different. Yeah. Or like oh, yeah. having feelings for somebody who doesn't feel the same way about you. So then you're like, you still want to keep them in your life. So mm-hmm. you kind of re- reframe the situation. For me, um, it's always been really frustrating and it's usually men for, I, mm. I always, I don't understand it. And I also saw it in this with Apollo too, when mm. you get rejected, right. When someone's like, I don't see you that way for me, that person then is pulled out of a category of like, obviously you need to like digest it and like take like 24 hours yeah. or several weeks or however long you need to like process that feeling of rejection and feeling of like, Oh, so the person I like doesn't like me back. But then the, an ego thing is that like, if someone doesn't like me back, I no longer like them in that way. So for me, it makes me feel crazy when people still continue to try after they've been rejected. Like, why do you still want to go after someone who doesn't like you? Do you have like no self-respect? Apollo doesn't clearly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think of too, like if I were to like uh, proposition a friend and they were like no nah, I'm not into that even if I like I would probably still have feelings for them for a while but I would not try anything again and I would also have a really hard time if like you know a few months later they were like actually I think I do like you I'd have such a hard time like accepting that if I had already yeah. been rejected and it's just like mind-blowing to me that so many men can be rejected and then immediately are like well you were lying right or like I'm still yeah. gonna pursue you because they can't believe mind. the fact that they've been rejected and I know it's probably like it, it's interesting because it's like different socialized responses to rejection where women are told like you know if someone says no to you you immediately are like oh, okay and you back off and you shut down your feelings whereas men are taught that if someone says no to you it actually means yes which is yes. like a whole other like it, it just like permeates a lot of uh you know relationships and also I think of like the workplace, you know, if someone were to be like, no, we can't pay you more. Women are more likely to be like, oh, okay. Whereas men will be like, we'll bargain more. Yeah. It's all socialized and it's all messed up and silly. So silly. Have you, uh, I, what I, was I, that? Have you been friend zoned? That was your other part of the question. Yeah. Have you been friend? See, these are fun for me to ask you because you've been married since the dawn of time. <laughs> the dawn of time. <laughs> Since the dawn of time, we were like, you know, learning how to walk and you and oh, yes. your partner were frolicking. Part, part we were Mike. married in the womb, actually. <laughs> Ew, these are Ew. siblings. <laughs> oh, oh, gross. Um, I don't think I've been friend zoned, but I don't know that I've ever asked anyone out. <laughs> 
I'm like, with Mike, it was like we both kind of asked each other out because we were friends first. And I'm like, any of the other, like, awkward little uh, relationship or crushes I had, I did not have the guts to ask someone out. Like, it did not happen. I went on a date one time in in the ninth grade, and I was so nervous that I brought a friend. Like, (laughs) (laughs) what did you do in the ninth grade? He probably thought I friend-zoned him, but it was because I was nervous. But, you know, it all worked out. Yeah. I mean, I haven't been, like, friend. Again, I'm not super bold in, like, asking people out. I just manifest it. But <laughs> it's manifesting. Yeah. Well, it and doesn't, it doesn't work. work. Taylor Swift so. proved that for me, so. <laughs> but I have had, like, when I was, like, I liked somebody who was kind of a friend. And mm. in a conversation, we both... um like he kind of was like oh not you though like you're like you're like a joking like oh we like I don't know how it came up but it was like a scenario like a hypothetical scenario he was like oh god I would never Mm -hmm. and And you're like okay gonna remove that from my mind put you in take you out from the oh my god maybe box into the absolutely fucking not box and you'll never Mm -hmm. know like you never would notice the switch yeah Mm but because that's like for me and but I've been on the other end of it where I've like said no so mm. many fucking times and it was like you're like I just like a little falling at my feet actually <laughs> no specifically one man and so it was yeah, like this yeah. jack in the box where I'm like you know winding it like and like okay can we hang out you said you're fine to hang out I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable make you think that this is something that it's not like I'm like so cautious I'm being so careful he's being completely fine and then pop like why, why won't you date me like oh god I hate it hate it so much oh that's awful yeah and mm. eventually i was like hey for your sanity and my own sanity let's just like take a break of yeah. friendship yeah like you, you we can't be friends like i know you think you can be friends but clearly you yeah. don't want to be my friend well it's also like the friendship isn't i get having really overpowering feelings but i also am like well the friendship's not important enough then if you're gonna keep trying to sabotage it yeah because you want to date this person who has said no to you it's yeah. like, well, maybe you should just, like, analyze why, like, look at why you're friends with them outside of being in a relationship and, like, focus yeah. on that. And also it was a lot of, like, instead of being like, I'm going to work on, like, he was like, instead of being like, I'm going to work on my feelings to make it over you, it was, I am going to complain that it would just be easier if you dated me mm, yeah <laughs> I'm like ah yeah okay. you're actually making their life more difficult yes yeah and i'm actually inconveniencing them by not yeah. dating this them. is yeah. you know what this conversation is proof that uh sexuality is not a choice because <laughs> if we could <laughs> no choose, one choose this. no one would choose men even by women we end up with men too. It's <laughs> unfortunately not a choice. <laughs> uh, anyways, then we got this on the same topic. I feel like this is a continued uh, question. We got this one. Yeah. I don't remember if it was Instagram or Discord or something, but uh, Jaden sent us, what would you do if someone ridiculous propositioned you? Oh. I guess to date is what I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, interesting, though, because if it's someone ridiculous who's just kind of weird as a person yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it's ridiculous in that sense, I'd be really, really nice about it because I think that it takes a lot of guts to put yourself out there. That's and true. And I would take yeah. it seriously. If it's someone who's ridiculous in the sense of, like, they've been mean to me and it's ridiculous mm. that they think that this is the way to do it um, and I wasn't fearing for my life, I would reject them very, very aggressively. Yeah. It's honestly so bold that Raina laughs because I would, even if I would feel guilty, even if it was someone who was weird as fuck, I would be like, I'd feel so bad because it takes yeah. a lot to put yourself out there. But I know. yeah, I'm like, I would probably, I do sometimes laugh when I'm uncomfortable so that yeah. it could happen if I was really uncomfortable. I don't know. I just think of in like the seventh grade at one of our stupid middle school dances, a boy asked me to dance once and I just like said no and I kind of laughed because I was not Aww. I just it wasn't I had a crush on a boy who turned out to be gay at that point so 
you know, I had my heart set on. (laughs) (laughs) The unattainable man. (laughs) It was just like, I was so uncomfortable and it was someone who like, I really thought we were like kind, we weren't even like really friends. We just had like a class together and I was like, this is really uncomfortable. And then he like asked me again and I was like, okay, now it's weird. I was also 12. Mm. Like we were 12. So I guess, you know, yeah, take that into account. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll try my best. I think I just like feel really, really amazing. Make them know that I'm flattered. Yes. Like it was Mm -hmm. very much a compliment if they are like sweet and like just ridiculous as a character and like someone I would (laughs) not date, but like, Mm -hmm. but if it's like someone who was like mean to me and like they have the audacity to then like ask me out and think mm-hmm. that that's okay. I would like to have the assumption that I'll say yes. And they're ridiculous in that way. I would be like, get fucking lost. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, we're going to learn more. This was turned into a little bit of a man-hating episode. Sorry. I'm so sorry. A, a bit of both. There was like some men, I will say. Not all um, men. Not all men. (laughs) Well, you know what? I actually think, you know, for any of our listeners that identify as a man or a boy, I don't know how old you are. I think that if you are a man or boy and you listen to this and you think it's funny and you like take something from it, you're not like the other. You're not like other boys, you know? You're not like other boys. (laughs) You're like, you're, you're elevated. It's like the men who enjoyed the Barbie movie. Those are good. The better men. And, like, took something from it, not we're just like, whoa, horses. <laughs> yeah, and obviously we're speaking to our specific um, experiences. That's I true. feel like other people have different experiences with friend zone and different feelings about the concept. Yeah. So, obviously, take it again. <laughs> you should never take anything we ever say seriously, <laughs> first That's of all. That's probably true, yeah. <laughs> I'm not qualified, but- I swear. <laughs> But it's just like our experience, and I think a lot of women experience this, and so that's why it yeah. becomes like kind of very frustrating to hear the word friend zone and to see yeah. Apollo react, even though he takes it well and he's he like does. happy that he made her happy. Which is kind of I don't know how he goes on from here. We'll find out. But mm-hmm. so far, it's acceptable. He handles it with grace, especially considering yes. it's like she fully laughed at him and rolled on the floor. Like that <laughs> yeah. would the bruising to the Break ego. I mean, me. he's a god, so he kind of deserves the bruising to the yes, ego. Yes, he does. But I'm like, even in any like fictional scenario I can make up and it was someone I absolutely hated, I'd probably in reality feel too bad being mean to them. Yeah. So like. I I feel for Apollo there. And And also at the end of the day, Lester yeah. is a sixteen year old boy, so like kinda breaks yeah. my heart for him. But like yeah. at the same time, why what would did he expect? Yeah. Come on, Lester. Baby's first rejection. I know. Poor thing. There'll be Except more to it's come. really not. As Apollo, <laughs> it's really not. I know. He's this is the first time he can't do anything about it. Which I yeah, think that's is true. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's true. He's like, hey, I actually just have to take this instead of like summoning my godly power and cursing this or woman. Chasing them. Or yeah. chasing her down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, let's find out what happens and see how well he does actually take it. Because we'll yes. be back next week with chapters 25 through 30 of The Tyrant's Tomb. Lovely. And if you are interested in supporting us, the link to the Patreons in the episode description, as well as a link to send us an audio message. Our social media is almost on all social media except for threads. We are not on that. I don't Just, I realize that it. is a new, yeah, and I realize that's a new social media. I always say we're on all social media. We are on almost all social media at Camp Half Pod. Email us at camphalfpod at gmail.com. You can email us or message us if you want to join our Discord. And don't forget to rate and review wherever you are listening to us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.